Welcome to The Owlish Folk, a podcast that answers questions about the English language. I'm Amanda, and with me is Dave, who always peppers me with quondorums. <laughs> okay. That was a long laugh. Is that, yeah, is that a compliment or not? It's a compliment. Quondorums. Yes. Can I guess then? Quondorums would be compliments? Yes, you're right. A compliment, polite, well-mannered gesture or phrase. Do we use it these days? Is it modern? No, it's not. So it first appeared in Wright's 1857 Dictionary of Obsolete and Provincial English. And there's a very short (laughs) entry for that word, meaning a polite speech. But the 1905 edition defined it as a quandary and extreme perplexity, which is weird because it doesn't seem like it's related to the definition that I gave. But... There is a backward history to the word. Okay. So, conundrum was spelled a number of ways, one in which was a similar spelling to quandorum. So, it was linked to quandary. So, conundrum used to be spelled with a Q. Yes, it was almost spelled the same way as quandorum. Q-U-A-N-D-O-R. Sometimes it would be O-M or A-M. And it basically was a different um, word meaning quandary. But then... Through the dictionary, it kind of gets defined, polite speech, compliment, quandary. So we get a definition that runs through several words. First, in the 1700s, it starts meaning puzzling problem. Then it moves to a polite speech. And finally, a word that in the 1500s meant a question of what to do. So that's kind of the idea of quandary. But I thought it was interesting that conundrum was linked to quandary and it was spelled condorum yes okay because i'm going to uh, refer to a book a little bit later on it's called passing english of the victorian era mm. a dictionary of heterodox english slang and phrase oh boy now, i bet there's going to be some funky words in there yeah there yeah yes you're going to enjoy this but <laughs> the word quandary is here okay and it says difficulty or fix mm. probably from french of course, right? Yes. Now, it's interesting that your word, quandorum, mm-hmm. first appears in a book about obsolete words. Yes. So it must have been something people used, but they never wrote down. It must have been pretty informal. Yeah. Shall we get on with today's question? Yes. What's today's question, Dave? Well, today's question comes from Hamin, and she asks, why do the letters Q-U always come together in English? Oh, my. Yes, quite the question. But it does link to another question, which is why do we even have the letter Q Mm. when the letter K would do all the same work? Or even C. Or even C, right? So there's a lot of doubling up. So shall we get into this? Yeah, let's do it. Tell me, if you know, I don't know if you know, why we even have the letter Q. Oh, the letter Q is kind of a, has kind of an interesting, but also slightly uncertain history. So, first of all, uh, I read in a book called A is for Ox about the history of the shape of the letter Q. Mm -hmm. And it suggests maybe the letter Q comes from a, a pictograph of a monkey. Oh, really? So the original shape of the letter Q was 
a circle, if you can imagine a circle with a stick coming down from right. the top of the circle through the center and mm. out of the bottom, straight down. And almost if you imagine a, a capital P or a, maybe a lowercase Q, but without the flick on the tail. Mm. But then shift the stick along and then it cuts straight through the, what's called the bowl, the circle is called the bowl. So the, the tail is the tail of the monkey. Yes, but it might also be a shape of a knitting needle. It might also be a person's head and neck. But the monkey one I thought was interesting. And this pictograph comes from the Phoenician alphabet, which is one of the earliest or maybe the earliest alphabet. Hmm. Can I add something to that? Please do. <clears throat> mm. Yes, and the Phoenicians originated the gamma, the kappa, and the kappa which is K-O-P-P-A. For them, the symbols represented different sounds. And as you said, the ancestor of Q, which was kappa, was for a consonant sound made way back in the throat, with the back of the tongue touching the uvula. Right, so there was a difference in sound between the copper, the gamma, and the kappa. Right. Kappa. Mm -hmm. So the Q sound was made at the back of the throat. Mm. Ho. Yes. Um, and you Very still guttural. hear this in some... Um, Middle Eastern yes. languages, some Middle Arabic, Eastern... Arabic, Hebrew. Yeah, so when people from Iraq talk about Iraq, the Q mm. at the end is... Yes. Iraq. And Quran becomes Quran. Yeah. And yeah, it's a different sound to a K. Shall we just talk a bit about the Phoenician people, just so we know who we're talking about when we're talking about... Yes, let's represent invented. the Phoenicians. Yes. So the Phoenician... Uh, Phoenicia was... Uh, situated along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and it covered basically what's now uh, Syria, Lebanon and northern Israel and these guys were prolific traders and from around 1050 BCE the Phoenician alphabet was spread through by these traders across the Mediterranean cultures and from there it was assimilated into the other languages it was used as part of either other sort of growing alphabets or maybe developed into other alphabets and from the traders in those communities it then spread far and wide. The Etruscans had three different symbols for that K sound. Oh, so the Etruscans who were based in what is now basically Tuscany, right? And so you can see the route that the alphabet took along the, the Mediterranean. It went through Because of the trade and routes and everything and, like that. Yeah, it went through Greece and... Uh, yeah, so the, yes, the Etruscans uh, used gamma, which was the ancestor of both C and G, before E or I. And kappa, the ancestor of K, before A. And kappa, which was the ancestor of Q, before U or O. So the kappa was used before a U or an O. And of course, then the Romans got their writing system from the Etruscans. And then in Latin there were two different symbols for the K sound. So we've got a timeline here. We've got Phoenicians, then Greeks, and then Etruscans, and then Romans and Latin. Yes. And then we're starting to get very close to uh, the alphabet we use now. Yeah, because the French got it from Latin. And the French used Q-U for K-W sounds because Latin did. For the K sound, Latin used a Q, when it came before a W sound and a C everywhere else. And interestingly enough, the Romans used C and Q interchangeably with a following U. So if you have C-U-M, which is cum, it could also be spelled Q-U-M. 
And then Q-U-I, which is pronounced Qui, could also be spelled C-U-I. But that was in France, and in England at the same time, we would have used a K, mm -hmm. or the English writers would have used a K. So Queen was spelled K-W. Yes. E-N. Quen, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So then why did English adopt this Q-U when they already had a perfectly serviceable K-W? Well, I'm going to guess because of the Norman invasion in 1066. Right, so the French then, the Norman French brought their alphabet over mm -hmm. and brought their preference for Q-U with them. Yes. And, you know, you can see a lot of words in French, Q-U, or even without the U. For example, sank, C-I-N-Q. French. All right, so they don't need the Q-U together. Yeah. And we'll talk a little bit about more words that have a Q but not a U later on. All right, so because it feels like a rule, but it's really yeah. a generalization. Lots of words have Q without U. This adoption of Q-U by English, uh, taking it from French, wasn't always universally accepted. Even though now we're used to it, people were kind of hostile to it for a long time. So Samuel Johnson, who wrote the first major uh, dictionary from 1747, um, but he also wrote a grammar, which is an explanation of how English works. And in this grammar, he said, basically, there's no need for Q in English. Uh, the way we say it, is indistinguishable from K. We only mm. use it with QU most of the time. When we use it just with a, a Q sound, a Q letter, we could use a K. When we use QU, we could usually use KW. So we don't need Q. It's an unnecessary I letter. completely agree with him, though. Yeah. We don't really need Q. Yeah, and this was, what, 250 years yeah. ago he said this. But it didn't, it didn't work out, right? It didn't take off. Yeah. We kept the, uh, the letter in the alphabet even though it serves no extra function. But for Phoenicians and for Middle East speakers, you can see why they would have Q and K, because they're different sounds. Yeah, that's right. But as it travelled across the Mediterranean and through Europe, it, the, the sound difference disappeared. And we're just left with this, these two letters that do basically the same thing. Why? Why is this? used Q for words with a KW sound and uh, accompanied it by a U, but it was written, U was written as a V mm. in, in their script. And combinations of two letters making a single sound are called digraphs. So and We yeah. talk about that in the silent letters episode as well. Yeah, that's right. So we've got examples. Uh, PH makes an, an F sound. SH is a SH. CK is a K. Um, but then when you've got blends, which are two letters that make a sound that incorporates both of the sounds of the letters. Um, so st, as in stop. Mm. One sound, but with two parts. Cr, as in crispy. And sp, as in crispy. Two letters, two sounds, but together to make one sound. Fl, floppy. Speak for yourself. <laughs> How dare you? All right. <laughs> Of course, as we've talked about in the past, right, 
capital letters or majuscule letters in, in writing develop before the lowercase or right. minuscule letters. So capital Q developed before the lowercase uh, Q. And you can see when you look at the... I think if we can try and put a picture of this in the notes, but the original Phoenician symbol of copper uh, it is that circle with the line coming through it. But you can see how it would shift a little bit. The circle grows bigger, the bowl grows bigger, and then the line cutting through shifts position, becomes smaller, slightly curly, and it ends up just as a flourish that seems to distinguish Q from O. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, so it's just changed shape over time. And then that shape change continued as the Latin writers developed um, cursive writing. So they would write quickly, run letters together, and then the bowl shrank even further, so it was easier and quicker to write, and then the stick poking out of it became longer and connected with a flourish to the next letter, and that's how the lowercase q developed. Now, in primary school, you learned cursive? Script? Yes, but not for very long, and I am no good at it. So you wouldn't be able to write an uppercase Q. Do you remember how to do that? Well, I think it depends on also what font you're going to kind of use, too. Um, you know, if you're using kind of um, a script alphabet on Microsoft Word or something like that. Mm. Um, but this, uh, when you're learning in primary school, to just write a very simplified alphabet in English... You know, you're not using a lot of flourishes, maybe for the tails or for other ligatures or something like that. Um, but the uppercase Q is, yeah, kind of written like a two. That is really odd. I have no memory of really? writing Q like that in school. Now, if you look at, again, other examples of hand lettering, it probably looks a little bit more like the bowl with the tail kind of on the side a little bit curly, curly cued, curly yes. Q. But, um, yeah, the original uh, instruction for teaching a child how to write in cursive, it looks like a two. It's very yeah. strange, which I, doesn't look like a Q at all. No, I kind of hate it. But I suppose <laughs> if you were reading script, you wouldn't think of it as a two because you're reading letters. So it's closest to a Q, I suppose. Um, yeah, I, I also have a, another little thing to add here. It's only a minor point, but okay. it, I think it's worth mentioning. Right, so we followed the journey of Q from uh, the Phoenicians to through the Greeks, through the Etruscans, to Latin, and to French, to English. But the Greeks stopped using Q at some point, right? So the Greeks, uh, I think in Greek, the sound of Q and K became too similar as the language evolved. And so their Q, which was copper, just dropped out of use because it was too similar to their kappa. <laughs> and so in 402, the year 402 of the modern era, the Athenian decree set a standard alphabet for Greek and they didn't include copper in that alphabet. Oh dear, poor copper. But the Etruscans who took the alphabet from the Greeks, or they inherited it from the Greeks, I suppose, they, they kept the sound difference and so they kept the two letters. Interesting. Shut up. Don't look at me like that when you say interesting. <laughs> Come on. Okay. Write it down. It will be on the final exam. Okay. You want to do some fanciful stuff or do you have other things to say? Uh, well, Q. Jesus. Jesus. Okay. Q is the second or third least used letter in the alphabet. And I found two different sources. Oh, heavens to Betsy. Yeah. 
but I kind of like that. Doesn't it make it more special? Yes. But I was thinking about this. Um, so it's the second or third least used letter. The least used letter is X. No, it's oh. used more than Q. Z. Z or Z. <clears throat> Z. And the most used letter is E. Yeah, E is the most used oh. letter. That's why E was always the first letter to wear out on old typewriters, which is why you have the comedy routines of writers trying to write some sentence without using E, and they write these really long, convoluted sentences with odd, peculiar words, just to avoid using E. Is that a common e. comedy? I don't know if it's common, but I seem to remember it. Oh. All right. Um, do you have anything else? I have some fanciful bits. Go on then. characters in I guess you could say pop culture first is a Star Trek character called Q yes uh, played by John Delancey he's the most famous Q but Q is also a name of a race of beings in Star Trek right and Q is the uh, character in James Bond yeah now for me the most famous Q yes <laughs> but I don't watch Star Trek he's the character who develops all the technology, right? Mm, yes, that's right. Now, I have a hobby. I love to play Scrabble, and uh, I belong to an online club, and I uh, try to memorize the dictionary. This is new, right? You didn't know this about me? <laughs> no. Oh my gosh. No. Yeah, it's one of my hobbies. It's really a dream of mine to play in a big tournament, but I'm... Uh, Life got in the way, and I never really got to study as much as I wanted to. That is desperately sad. It's okay, I'll get over it. <clears throat> Thanks for making me feel bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, Unfulfilled life. <laughs> Small <laughs> dreams, though. You've crushed all of them. But in Scrabble, there are a lot of QU words. Of course, Q is 10 points, so it gets you a lot of points. But there are also a lot of interesting Q words without the U. Such as? Kat, Q-A-T. What does it mean? It's a shrub that is found in the Middle East. Sunk, C-I-N-Q, which is the French number for five. Are you allowed French words in English Scrabble? Yes. It depends on how they're used, though. Kabbalistic is a ten-letter word. It's going to get you a lot of points. Kabbalistic. And yeah. how do we spell that? Q-A-B-A-L-I-S-T-I-C, meaning from the Kabbalah. Isn't Kabbalah usually spelt with a K? It can be spelled with a Q as well. That's interesting, because Quran can be spelled with a Q or a yeah. K, right? Mm -hmm. I have a very popular phrase that we often use, mind your P's and Q's. Right, which we usually say when we want people to watch their manners, right? Yes. Now, I have a few theories for what this phrase means. The first one I found is that it refers to the challenge of distinguishing P's from Q's because of the tails in t the typography. So they would teach this phrase to children, and when they were learning how to write, they would have to pay attention so that they understood the difference between these two letters that look similar. Another theory that is quite plausible is that typesetters would have to be careful not to mix up the letters because they would have to recognize them backwards. So when they're setting type, they have to flip the type pieces over so they're looking at the reverse right. image of, the, of each character. 
Ah, so mind your P's and Q's, don't get them the wrong way around. That's right. Right, okay. Mm -hmm. And two other ones which are also pretty popular is that P stands for pint and Q for quart with reference to a landlord not getting these measures mixed up on customers' accounts. So watch your pints and quarts. Yeah, because you wouldn't want to charge somebody the wrong amount for, you know... Of course, a lot more than a pint. So. Would the landlord maybe say the same thing to someone who is drinking too much? Mind your P's and Q's. You've had too many pints and quarts. I think you're getting close maybe. to your limit. Anything else? What would you say? There was one more? Yes. P means please and Q is thank you. Because if you say thank you, thank you, thank you, if you say it quickly, it can <laughs> yes. kind of become a Q. See, that makes so much sense mm-hmm. to me. Uh, if you're going to shorten thank you, Q is the dominant mm-hmm. part, right? I would go with that if I had to pick one that's definitely true, but we don't know, right? Yes. Oh, that yeah, that's fascinating. Mind you, P's and Q's, and please and thank yous does match the meaning mm-hmm. today, right? I like the typesetter theory. Do you have something for me? I do. So I have a quiz for you, and oh, no. this comes, uh, as I said before, right? So this quiz comes from a book called... Excuse me. Please make more noise so it can fit our sound. Yeah, okay, sorry. This comes from a book called Passing English of the Victorian Era, a dictionary of heterodox English slang and phrase. And in this book, there are some great phrases and words beginning with Q that we don't use these days. So I'll give you some of these. Am I to guess? You've got to guess the Oh boy, there we go. All right. So we have quagger, Q-U-A-G-G-E-R, quagger. Can you use it in a sentence? I feel like I'm um, at a spelling bee. Okay. <laughs> Quagger in a sentence. Um, oh, I went to Oxford and I saw a whole load of quaggers hanging out at the park. Oh, my. When I hear quagger, I think duck. <laughs> no, right. This isn't crazy, right? Okay. So here's why. So quagger means men who attend Oxford University. They attend Queen's College at Oxford University. Now, it's not crazy that you think of Quagga Quack Duck, mm-hmm. because another nickname for them is Gooser. Woo! So I was kind of on the line a little bit. Quagga, possibly Goose, Duck, Quack, Quagga. So Gooser might have come first. Then Duck is similar to a goose. Ducks quack. Quackers, <laughs> quaggers. Quid fishing. Quid fishing. Quid fishing. Okay, I'm just going to go really literal here, and I'm going to say that uh, you have to retrieve your coins from the pond. It is to do with coins, so you're halfway there. So quid is slang for a pound, Mm -hmm. and a pound in money, right? So a sterling pound. Quid fishing is very skilled thieving, taking money from somebody's Mm. pocket. Quid fishing. Cool. Quite a dizzy. If someone is quite a dizzy, what do you think they are? I'm going to have to guess and say that they don't articulate themselves very well. So maybe their thinking is all discombobulated and maybe they make your head in a whirl. This one is not that. It's almost the opposite. Quite a dizzy is what you might call a very clever man. He's quite a dizzy. Okay, another one. Let's go. I've got a couple more of these. A quarter stretch. So this is something that might happen to a quid fisher. A quarter stretch. A quid fisher is like a skilled thief, in a sense. So, I don't know. 
A quarter stretch is a quarter of a year, three month stretch in prison. And people might get a quarter with hard. So a quarter stretch, three months in prison with hard labour. Oh my. Queenie. Queenie? And it's something you might shout after somebody as they walk. A good looking lady? This is mock endearing, right? So you might call somebody Queenie if you're being quite rude but pretending to not be rude. After a portly lady trying to walk like a young lady. Oh no! And, That's uh, quite insulting. Yeah. A queer shover. A queer shover? Hmm. Yes. Shove. To give a strange idea? Uh, it's to give a strange something. So queer was a slang term for bad money. Oh. So queer shover, somebody who passes bad money into the economy. Oh, a counterfeiter. Yeah, so they oh knowingly my. spend fake money, bad money. Some of these are really peculiar. So we've got this one, a quarter pound bird's eye. A quarter of one ounce, a penneth, asked for quite seriously. Probably begun as a joke. See, Sherry. <laughs> See, some of them are weird. And then the weirdest one is this one, Quaterno Bliss. A taking small woman, diminutive of Potto Bliss, a fine woman. I like that. But what's a taking small woman? What does that mean? <laughs> I don't know. All right. Some of, some of this book is good. Some of it's just stupid. Should we wrap up here? Let's wrap it up in a bow. Send it on its way. Thanks for listening to the episode today. We hope you enjoyed the episode about Q and U. Yeah. And uh, remember, please uh, tell somebody you know and like about the show. Thank you. Bye. Thanks to Justin for the music, New Media for the artwork, and a big high five to Jeff at Central Sound and Picture. If you enjoy the podcast, please tell your friends and subscribe. You can contact us on Facebook and Twitter at The Owlish Folk. Send us questions or comments to theowlishfolk at gmail.com. Thank you.